Thank you so much for joining us on this special edition, this special return to the Cannibal Horrorcast. I'm Johnny Destructo. With me this week, as usual, I won't say always, but as usual, Christian Debari. Oh, hello. Hey, buddy. Long time no speak. I know. That's uh, that's what happens when you have a kid. <laughs> tell tell the people who you are, real quick. Oh, um, I'm Christian, and I'm a comic book artist, illustrator. Uh, yeah love horror so here i am with these guys with uh reviewing a brand new horror movie that no one's seen yet <laughs> brand new <laughs> uh also with me this week is steven andrade hey what's up i am an artist and uh sign maker and uh like christian big fan of horror movies and uh love talking horror with people who like horror so yeah glad to be back Sweet. Thank you so much. And Mark underscore L underscore Miller. Who? Mark <laughs> underscore L underscore Miller. What? <laughs> That's enough of that. I only have so much, so much energy. Um, <laughs> so after the, the time it took to set up this podcast. Here. God damn it. We could have done a whole other show in the time it took you to set up your microphone. You, I love you. Hey, so, I'm, um, at a, I'm at a motherboard here. I'm working out of my Commodore 64. <laughs> so it takes um, a while to boot up. <laughs> tell, tell the people who you are. I am a uh, computer genius. Uh-huh. As evidence. <laughs> no, uh, my name is Mark underscore L underscore Miller. I, um, I write comic books sometimes, which I like mm-hmm. to do. I, I need to write more of them. I need to get back on that horse. Um, but I also um, review comic or I review horror movies on uh, ML Miller rights. And so I've been keeping that up ever since I left Ain't It Cool. I guess it's been three years now, which has it's been really weird. It's been that long. But wait, it's yeah. been three years since we left Ain't It Cool? Mm-hmm. I think so. 27. Wow. Like it happened in late 2017. Well, I guess two years. Okay, two okay. years. It That's was the impetus those... for how all of us met was anacoolnews.com. Yeah, yeah. That ar- but, archaic uh, pop culture news site. Yes, but <laughs> um, but then but we kept on chugging along whenever mm-hmm. we could. So that's always it's always good that that we could do that. But uh, yeah, and so uh, I and this October I'll have my countdown of the best horror of the year again. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie won't be in it because it was in my countdown. I believe it was. Is that two years ago or this or one 2018. year? Twenty eighteen. Last year. Okay, last year. Last year. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive that Ari Aster has been able to make two pretty big, large scale movies in in two mm-hmm. years like that. So, and specifically in the genre that he's that he's working in. Yeah, yeah. To have such a big response uh, for a horror film from the same director two years in a row is is not no mean feat. 
No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah. Or no small feet, I should say. It is a mean feat. Uh, so anyway, we are here to talk about Hereditary, which came out in 2018, but uh, we never got a chance to sit down, the four of us, and have a little chitty chat about it. So we thought we would get together and finally hash it out uh, because I just watched, I, I started with my friends in Maniunk, uh, Pennsylvania. We started having a horror movie Wednesday night and our first thing on our docket was hereditary. So we, I just rewatched it on Wednesday and the whole time I'm just sitting there going, I fucking love this movie. This movie is so goddamn good. And oh, I should mention that we had a request, uh, which the impetus for this show actually happening is um a friend of mine gina from super socks shop she messaged me and was like are you guys gonna do a hereditary podcast about this you guys got to do a horror podcast about it so i was like you know what fuck yeah we do Mm -hmm. so that's why we're here um now i also want to bring up that we have an email this is called spoiler alert um by pink apocalypse hey guys I decided to listen to the last gutter talk after listening to the last spoiler alert. I'm about ready to suspend your horror fan card, JD. Firstly, you can go wash out your mouth with soap for essentially shit-talking Toby Hooper, saying that Chainsaw is the only good thing he's ever done. Yes, his career took a sharp nosedive into low-budget fare and TV episodes, but he gave us Invaders from Mars and Life Force. Life Force, JD! <laughs> the arguably spontaneous, spontaneous combustion too. Yeah, is that a movie? Yeah, it's with oh. Brad, Dur- Brad Dourif. He, it's about people that spontaneously combust. Yep. Oh well, and thanks for alive. ruining the the plot <laughs> for me. Thanks, and Jesus. Eating alive too. That's a great movie. Yeah, I love that movie. It's got a giant Robert alligator. Yeah, yeah, Robert England and and mm-hmm. yeah, there's lots of stuff he did. One of my personal favorites besides like poltergeist is definitely life force though life force is so weird alien tits i hate life force it's so weird Um, that it's beautiful (laughs) she continues the arguably quintessential batshit crazy love letter to hammer films with a wonderful stew of multiple genres working together at once and i know I'm one of only 12 people around the globe that love the Invaders from Mars remake. Nurse Ratchets, you're late for school, David Gardner. Weirdly scared the crap out of me as a kid, even as I was watching things like Hellraiser. It's a great little, quote-unquote, bad film. I'd be curious to know why his career dived the way it did. Was it personal failure? Was it a failure to work with the Hollywood system? I don't have time anymore for rabbit hole things like that, but I wonder. Secondly, the original Pet Cemetery is one of my all-time favorite bleak horror movies. The reoccurring theme in reviews for the new one is that it's a complete retread. That isn't really necessary since the old one exists. I'm very open-minded with remakes and will go see it. So I sh- so you should go see the old one. Uh, I sent this to Spoiler Alert, which is another podcast that we do, because I'm assuming you guys have given up on the Cannibal Horror Cast and the emails that were sent to it. Pink so yeah i remembered that this was sitting in my inbox just waiting to be read so um i thought you guys would like to know Uh, did anyone here see the pet cemetery remake no no i did i did i did i liked it a lot what did you think mark uh i didn't you probably liked it a little bit more than i did but um Mm -hmm. i think that I feel it was uh they they really rushed through a lot of the emotional beats that that worked in the first one mm. but I liked the last 20 minutes of the new one more than the the first one. Yeah. Um it ended on a better beat 
I think um, the last the the last scene in um, the original, it just felt all over the place, and the actors didn't feel like they were able to kind of like act the way that they should have. Um, mm. But uh, everything felt rushed at the fir- in the first half, like the death of the child and the um, and all of that stuff. The guy mm. getting hit, the guy getting hit by a car, and uh, it, it, all that stuff. It just didn't it didn't resonate as much as it did in the first one. It just felt like, all right, we got to get through this stuff because this is in the book and this, everyone knows this part. Let's get to the, the aspects that um, you haven't seen before. Yeah. Which is like the which Wendigos, I... the Wendigo stuff and like the monsters in the trees and, and all that stuff was pretty cool. Yeah. I'd never seen the original pet cemetery. I did read the novel just before going to see the remake though. Uh, and I, I thought it was a pretty fine adaptation. I, I really enjoyed it. And I do, I agree that the end of it was great. Super like the, the little, yeah. yeah, with the cat it was cool. Um, do you know that there's a version out there that cuts out all the cat death? What? Mm-hmm. Not there's... the not the child death, just the cat death. Yes, it's those, <laughs> for those people who can't take um, animal like suffering, animal suffering. Yes, um, that's they they cut that out of a version of it. Fuck out of here! Wow. I know. Kind of like it's called Pet Cemetery for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This is Benji the Hunted or anything. Kittens are kittens aren't allowed to be hurt. We're just going to call it Small Child Cemetery instead. Yes. That'll be fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fucking uh, idiots. Anyway, uh, so we're here to talk about Hereditary, which oh, came wait, out. The in other 20, thing oh, I wanted to oh. say, I, the only thing, sorry, <laughs> is with uh, she mentioned Invaders the Mars, and I think we've talked about this before in the podcast about how um, Invaders. Invaders from Mars, the remake that Toby Hooper did, mm-hmm. it's all about walking in on your parents while they're having sex. <laughs> what? What? It's a coming of age story. Has no. anyone seen it? Has no. anyone? Yeah. At the, yeah very, I love that movie. at the very end of the movie, the parent he walks into the parents' bedroom and he starts screaming. Mm-hmm. And uh they uh yeah, they're he's freaked out because her, his parents are having sex in the other room. Oh, wait. I don't remember that at all. It's, it's I an think allegory. He's, oh, I see. He's having I, a uh, a flashback. Oh <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you watch it with that thinking of that, then it's like <laughs> this is his way of dealing with that picture. Oh, it's like his parents are no longer parents anymore. It's it, like everything's a dream. Remember, everything's a dream at the end mm-hmm. of it. Right. And, That's a good point. And it, this is all him, his way of working through the trauma. He's made as this big hero. It's the, all of this like childish fantasy sort of thing. And at the end, he's like, here's something coming from the bedroom. And he busts open the door of his parents' bedroom. He's like, mom, dad, no. <laughs> <laughs> Canon films. Yes. <laughs> my favorite. This my favorite from the 80s because yeah. all their movies were garbage, but I fucking love them. Yeah, that's a great movie, and the effects on that movie was great with those the creatures like walking mm-hmm. around. That was really good. Well oh, done. Yeah. Practical effects. Really well, good. maybe we should do one for the show then. Yeah. We should do that one. Watch it. Yeah, put that <laughs> on, on the docket. Dude, on I'm you, I've already ruined it for all you guys. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Mom, no. no. All right. So, thank you so much, Pink Apocalypse, for writing in. Please do so again. We're probably <laughs> going to do another episode before three years is up hopefully we'll maybe maybe we can do like a monthly schedule i don't maybe. know i'm hoping to do more often but at least monthly would be wonderful because i miss these fellas and i miss mm. talking about movies like hereditary 
Come on, Peter. That's your suit. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's grandma. You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die. And she wasn't altogether there. At the end. stress on my family. Rated R, 2018. It's a drama slash thriller. When the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter and grandchildren begin to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry, trying to outrun the sinister fate they have inherited. It was released in June 8th of 2018. It was directed by Ari Aster. The box office was 79.3 million US dollars and it was nominated for a Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best Actress and some other shit. Um, 13 million in the first week. Now, I, I'm not a big box office guy. I don't pay attention to box office. Is 13 do. million for a horror movie's first um, weekend good? Is that solid? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. it was it was a ten ten million dollar budget movie, so it really yeah was impressive. It's his first feature film, I believe. Yeah, so yeah, it was. Good. Yeah, that was his first. Um, yeah, and I, I are we are we going into marketing first? Yeah, let's go into the trailer. So, what I thought, dear listener, is we would sort of break it up into little segments so that you kind of know where you're at um in inside of the show and so we're going to start off with the trailers and the posters i remember seeing the trailer for this if you don't mind me going first mark yeah i I remember the trailer for this really struck me immediately and it was one of the first films that is doing the new theme of using audio from the film in a rhythmic way to create suspense and um make the listener a little uncomfortable. And I feel like a lot of, yeah, perfect. Um, <laughs> and, and it creates a rhythm and it, and it makes a beat. And um, I feel like a lot of trailers do that these days. They also do the other thing where it's like, we're going to do a, a creepy slow down version of a pop song. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, this was very rhythmic using only 
the sound effects and the mouth sounds of some of the characters. And I thought that was really innovative and I could, not, <laughs> I could not wait for this movie based on the trailer alone. Um, what did you guys think of the trailers? I, uh, I actually, I, I thought it was, I thought the trailer was fine. Um, it looked interesting for me. I thought, mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, this, this looks like, you know, definitely my wheelhouse of interest, but it didn't, I don't remember it giving anything away other than it looking more like a haunted house kind of thing. So that's yeah. all I knew about it, which is good because yeah, by I the time it. I got to see it, it was not just that. Yeah. I love it when a trailer doesn't give too much away. It was like, mm. I don't remember too much about when I first saw the trailer, but I remembered like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm interested. I want to see this. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, it's so weird. I've been uh, I just watched a couple of trailers today of, of on um on like YouTube they have um like all the new trailers trailers that dropped this week and you can just sort of watch the whole thing, like everything that's dropped. And they had two love stories on there and both of them one of them them is the one with uh Danny from uh Game of Thrones and she meets a guy and she's like all um they fall in love and then there's these problems and everything. And they tell the entire fucking movie in that trailer. Yep. And I'm like, and, and I was watching it and the people that I was with, I was like, oh, you know, the only surprise that they keep from you is like what font the end titles are in. That's, like, <laughs> that's it. That's it. I mean, I might, you might as well have just watched the movie. And I don't know why they do that with love stories other than the fact that it's like, it's, it's going to get the girls to convince the guys to go i guess i don't know i don't know mm -hmm. but it's just i don't understand why they're they're being that just they've ruined it that much and um that's what hurt me with with brightburn because i really feel that that was a great movie but it was ruined because they showed everything in the trailers of yeah brightburn and i was so pissed off because i mean the, yeah there were maybe two gore effects that they kind of uh they couldn't show because it was just too gory, but um, you knew what was going to happen and you knew who, who the, um, who was going to die. You knew who was, I mean, almost everything, uh, even the ending is in the trailer um, on mm -hmm. uh, Brightburn um, and with this and uh, a couple of the other movies and especially the Ari Aster movies, like with Midsummer, they definitely are, have held back. They're just showing kind of clippets of weird things. You get some weird sounds um, and it, it's, it's not a, a narrative kind of uh, or a story focused. It's, it's just more of like, we're going to shock you. Um, this is, this is very disturbing stuff and it's, it, you know, you're going to have to watch it to be, to understand it, um, mm -hmm. but you're going to, you're going to be disturbed by it. Um, yeah. I think it was a really effectively cut together trailer. Uh, I remember thinking this is going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, just, just sitting and watching a trailer before the other, some other movie. And I remember going, this is going to be important. Um, at, at least I, I got that sense from it. Just watching the trailer, the posters I think are fine. Um, the post, the main poster seems to be Tony Collette's face looking all sad, and then the daughter's face looking all sad on top of each other. It's not a great poster. I do I think like, I like the one where it's a family portrait. There's there's mm -hmm. another poster where it's like all of them kind of together, which that's kind of a little bit more disturbing because they're all kind of looking to the side like that. You know that that shot you always have to do in the high school like yeah. Shot. I always love that. that. That always makes me laugh whenever I see it. But um, that's a little bit more disturbing, I think, because it, there's a normalcy to it, but they're all kind of weird uh, looking. So, yeah, that was really good. But about the trailer, um, I think 
one of the things that kind of hurt this movie was that just like with the witch, just like with Midsummer, just like with uh, it, it comes at night. The uh, A4, the company that that puts this out, they love to say this is the scariest film since The Exorcist. Um, <laughs> I have seen that tagged on to every um, A4 release over the last two years. And no kidding. It's it's annoying as shit because it's it's not. I mean, I, the The Exorcist is The Exorcist. It's gonna be it's gonna be up there. It's gonna be always the the kind of pinnacle to reach for, but. Um, when the hype machine always compares it to that, then it's just not, uh, I, and I think that's, um, it's not the fault of the filmmaker, but I think that it's the, it's definitely the fault of the company that it, they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're a smaller company. They're getting bigger every year, it seems, but, um, it's just, I, it, whenever I see that, I'm just like, bullshit. It's not, <laughs> yeah. not going to be, as scary as the exorcist it doesn't matter mm -hmm. this movie has its scares but it doesn't compare to the exorcist it's because nothing nothing really can um so yeah. mm -hmm. uh, yeah. agreed i would say as far as contemporary horror is concerned this movie comes as close as possible to being as scary as the exorcist i, I yeah. feel like this was actually it's, really fucking effective it's it's it's, it's kind of relentless in some ways and this is something that i saw carried over in the the first 15 minutes of midsummer uh, which I'm not going to talk about too much, but just the, uh, there's definitely uh, the director likes to make the viewer uncomfortable mm -hmm. with, with raw emotion. And that is something that really hit home here. I mean, there's a moment, I know we'll talk about it later, but there was a moment the first time I saw this movie when I just audibly said watching, I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Just like, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's something that, again, like watching Midsummer, there's a moment in the first, uh, you know, basically the prologue of the movie that really is a punch to the gut. And I think that that more than like any kind of trappings of like, you know, gross outs or, you know, um, any other stylistic things that might you might want to compare it to like The Exorcist or other films, even though there are some comparisons. I think the thing that makes Hereditary work so well is that. It, it's relentless in really plunging the viewer into this like deeply emotional, uh, fucked up world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To, to sort of bounce off of that, I would say my problem with Midsummer is that the first 20 minutes of that movie, or maybe even 10, I don't even know, but that first gut punch that you're talking about, that feels like the entirety of hereditary for me. Um, mm -hmm. it just feels like I'm constantly in that, first 10 15 minutes of midsummer the entire film yeah. as opposed to midsummer which is like to me it's like up the most effective part of up is the first 10 minutes of that movie same thing with midsummer is i think the biggest scare and the biggest emotional impact really happens i think before the the credits even start really yeah um, yeah uh, or like the 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 movie title comes up and um this this uh for hereditary i'm in there the entire time and it always feels like this for me so it's uh i think that's a very effective film um I, I to talk about the poster though there is one poster that i really like and it is it plays with that dollhouse theme that seems to go throughout the film um and we basically have the house and it's set up like a dollhouse but then at the bottom of the house is the top of the house as well so it sort of does what i think the poster for 
Cabin in the Woods does really well mm-hmm. is it sort of gives you an idea of a of the feeling that the movie is trying to impart on you just with one visual. And I feel like that's the poster that's my favorite. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I vaguely remember it. Vaguely. Um, but it, in terms for me, like I I know people were saying uh you know, the exorcist, but I also felt like people were saying that when the Baba Duke came out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For this movie, I felt more like there was, <clears throat> there was a little bit of shades of exorcist like moments, I, I guess, but uh, I got more the shining. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely way more the shining. Um, I know Steven, you mentioned that earlier too. It was like, there was not to say in, in any way, shape or form, it was like ripping it off or whatever. But it was like you could tell the influence was certainly there, and it, it was used very, very well. Oh yeah, very, very well. So, yeah, I, I, I really, I'm very impressed with this movie, and I just saw it yesterday. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question. So, um, <laughs> this is going to be more important moving forward with uh, future episodes. But I did think that it would be important to mention when we've seen the film, especially if it's a much older film. Um, there's a lot of movies that I haven't gotten to yet, but this one I saw when it first came out in the theater and Christian, you saw it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Steven, when did you see this film? I saw it when it first came out on video. Um, and yeah, I remember enjoying it, but not being blown away by it. And then I watched it for the second time for this podcast. And it, I really, I liked it more. There's a lot more. Once you know the whole story, there's tons of little details that you pick up on. Mm -hmm. So definitely, um, you know, if anybody there has just seen it the once, I would recommend watching it a second time because it, it, you get a lot more out of it. 100%. I really liked it the first time, but sitting here last Wednesday night and watching it with a group of people, again, it was just every scene. I was like, this is so good. Uh, Mark, Mm. when did you see this film? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Cool. We're gonna we're gonna sit and watch it right now, and everyone can listen okay. to us enjoy hold the film. Yeah, hold on a minute. All right, I'm back. <laughs> no, I saw it. I saw it in theaters, and I just watched it today. Um, just again, just to kind of re- remind myself of it. Uh, but I had only seen it those two times because honestly, uh, uh, um, I'm probably shocker going to be a little bit of a contrarian here on the uh-huh. podcast um, because I I find it to be a problematic movie. I, uh, watching it a second time, I, I do uh, understand what, uh, you know, what Steven's saying is just that, that there are a lot of hints early on as to what's going on with it. Um, but um, I remember just really, I, I don't know. I, I, it was a lot of it was just like the emotional, um, how far through the mud you slog with these people. And it just didn't feel like a, an enjoyable experience to me that just to kind of just wallow in that kind of dread and, and remorse and, and just all of the, like, a lot, a lot of the emotional stuff. Um, I'm not saying I don't like that in my horror, but I feel like the, this one was just really just wallowing in, in all of that, just the, the, um, I don't know the heavier, heavier feelings, the heavier yeah. emotions, and it, it got to the point where I was like, God, I mean, the, it, this uh, there's there's that scene where um, Annie is at the uh, at the self help group, and she just vocally vomits up everything to this group, and I'm just like thinking about like, God, if anyone was in this group, 
just like you know because their their puppy died or something <laughs> you know <laughs> they would not be able to deal with all of this stuff that she's unloading on everybody and then like after that that's when her daughter dies and um, there's that really effective scene where she is just completely losing it on the mm. floor and screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it, a lot of that felt, um, I mean, it, it almost felt, uh, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, just as if they, he, he was, he was pushing it into our faces um, just to kind of be shocking. Um, and it, it felt, it, it just felt like really uh, manipulative. Um mm-hmm. I mean, they did a fantastic job of showing just like how these families can deal with crisis with their different ways. Like how um, Annie was, Annie becomes, she's all over the place. She's like reacting to everything. And uh, Charlie, uh, when Charlie dies and then, um, oh, spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like Peter's, Peter's uh, taking drugs. Um, Her dad, like, um, I, what's his name? Uh, Steve. Steve Burn? Yeah, he's he's just um, you know, he's trying to keep things together, but he's trying to let everybody deal with grief in their own way and um trying to be the strong silent one in the group, but he's horrible at it as well. And it's mm. like all of that emotional stuff is is fantastic. Um uh so so yeah, but there but I, I definitely think that um seeing it again i realize a little bit more of the the um supernatural stuff it didn't come so much out of the blue as it did the first time when i watched yeah. it mm. well it, it's it's interesting because you know uh for me it was like you know i was just getting caught up on everything because i had wanted to see it a year ago and i couldn't um my daughter was born so i was like i can't go out to the movies or anything but um you know i, I watched it the other night and I, for me it hit all the right buttons because you know i'm deranged i love bleak horror anything mm-hmm. bleak mm-hmm. It, like it pulls me in so i kind of like it it has it's far more interesting to see like i will admit there are some movies that try to sort of beat you over the head with this like ultra depressing and they just keep going and it keeps getting worse. And you're like, what the fuck? I, I can't remember what horror movie it was off the top of my head, but it was something that was like literally shit, like just terrible shit just kept happening. It was like, you know, one child would die, then the other, and you know, that, that well, kind it, of thing. It comes at night is kind of like that. Yeah. And uh, like, like um, the funny games. Funny games is a different yeah. way of doing it, but that I hated that because it was yeah. just like, you know everything gets fucked and that's all yeah there is. it well, just also, also, over the head. you guys see the divide no michael bain in it and rosanna arquette and um a lot of real a lot of older actors that were great um and they've kind of slipped a little bit but then it's got a it's it's a really cool it's by xavier jens i think mm-hmm. um but it's a um it's a pretty bleak story it's like these kids that are um um it's like well this group is like trapped and there's like a um uh what do you call it um there's like a a thing uh or, sorry <laughs> <laughs> i uh there's there's like a uh um nuclear holocaust sort of thing going on out there and they're trapped in there and it's like eight people and they develop cliques and society things like that you know mm. um so mm. It's pretty it's pretty interesting but anyway um but yeah a lot of the i mean i get 
um, the bleak nihilistic kind of movies that, that kind of wallow in that stuff. And, and a lot of them work. Um, but this one, I think, I think it really wanted to be a family drama that dissected loss and, Mm -hmm. and mental illness. Um, and it just felt like the, the, all the witchcraft stuff and the cult stuff, um, that just kind of was, it, it felt very, um, it, it felt like he rushed into it at the end. Yeah. Wow. That's, when I first saw it, that's that's why I didn't enjoy it as much because I was really liking the buildup. And mm-hmm. then the end of it, it just, again, like talking about other movies and influences, the end of it with the cult reminded me a lot of Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt like, oh, it's another like evil cult thing. And I, that kind of like took me out of the emotion a little bit but by being such like a kind of like a horror movie trope. Yeah. Um, but like I said, watching it again, I really, you know, picking up on things earlier and not, you know, knowing where it's going and not having that be a surprise. I really enjoyed it more. But. Hmm. Yeah, I think taking the script aside and, and dissecting it just by itself, I feel like it's really purposeful. I feel like everything in here has either been foreshadowed or, you know, some people say that they, they can, it comes out of nowhere at the end. And I, I understand mm-hmm. why it feels like that the first time you see it. But so much stuff as you watch it a second time is mm-hmm. revealed in just tiny, tiny little things mm-hmm. throughout the entirety of the film that by the time I get to the, you know, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, ceremony? The, yeah, the climax of the film. Mm-hmm. None of, it's all been laid out. It's almost a little too obvious the way everything's mm-hmm. been laid out once mm-hmm. you see it again. Um, and uh, it just feels like he's really dealing with loss and grief and family and the things that the previous generation has cursed us with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, not just metaphorically, but also quite literally in this film. And mm-hmm. I think that it really deals with topics that I don't see in a lot of other horror movies to this extent. You know, the scene that you're talking about, Mark, where you felt it was a little in your face and a little bit uh, too much where she's just screaming. She's Mm -hmm. in her bedroom and she's rocking back and forth and she's just wailing because Charlie has died. Um, It's such to me, it had such a meaningful impact. Mm. Um, Like my chest seized up. I, I felt, um, I felt a lot of emotions throughout that scene and I thought it was very effective. Mm-hmm. And, and she's incredible. Scene, and the with, scene with, before that too, with, uh, with Peter, that's what like immediately after the, you know, the accident, well, not the accident. Mm-hmm. Like that, but, yeah. Um, his reaction is just, again, just like twist your guts up because yeah. I found myself thinking like, what would you do? Like, what if I was, in that position like what can you do like and and like especially if you're just a stupid kid Mm -hmm. you know it's like you're in shock and and you just that kind of dazed zombie walk just like back inside and just like going into his room and just lying down it's like that was just so hard watching even just that part because you Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen and then when it led up into uh into uh annie's discovery and it's like you said it's just it's awful yeah, that's, yeah, and I, I can, I just can't imagine her trying to retell that story about like what it was like that she went, went out to the car, like imagining that, um, all right, the her son, her kids are sleeping, Charlie's in the treehouse again, um, and uh, and Peter's 
sleeping in, goes out and looks in the car, and you just find your headless a headless daughter in the in the back of the yeah. car. That's just pretty. Mm. Yeah, it's, and it's then of course after that to uh, to nail the final nail in the coffin is that shot of the head with the oh yeah oh my god I Extended didn't think they were gonna do shot. that Extended. I didn't I didn't think they were gonna do that I I yeah. honestly during the scene where. Uh, she's on the floor just screaming and 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 crying that, that i mean i have to side note here how the fuck wasn't she nominated or or win an Dude, academy award because it's a horror movie it's so bullshit it's unbelievable and also it, it came out in june it didn't come out in like uh, november or december like, i mean it was oscar bait it's, i don't it, know who won the oscar uh, that year but she should have she should have. I mean, it, it was like literally one of Probably the best Denzel performances. Washington. No, it was it was a Denzel. <laughs> I mean, he he had what the Equalizer two out. That was about it. I, I, I think. I, man. Hey man. <laughs> when I when I went home after seeing this the first time in the theater, I think my very first tweet about it was, "Give Tony Collette every Oscar." Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, she really deserved it, dude. That was incredible. And and yeah. that shot. Sorry, just to go back to that that shot of the head with all oh. the ants and the rot and the it was like i i remember my my feeling was like i i had like a second of shock because yeah. I, I didn't expect it but i also had this looming feeling of dread i was mm. like this right here is just the beginning of of something really fucked up is about to happen yeah. from here yeah. like this is fucked mm. but this is going to lead to more fucked up shit yeah and and it did <laughs> i i have a very it's been burned in my brain like just from the first time i saw it um when i close my eyes i can still very vividly see that shot mm. um, but to go back to the one before it, which is my favorite had it tattooed on the inside of your eyeballs I think. <laughs> ah, well that was when now you, you tell me a step too far with... god damn it mark <laughs> Had you told me this before, a little tequila, you know, it's <laughs> what happens when you go into the tattoo um, parlor. But the, the shot before that is my favorite shot of the movie. And I think it's one of the bravest cinematic um, choices that were made in 2018. I can't really think of anything that came out in that year last year that struck me as much as following him after he, after the head falls off uh, and mm. You just follow him the whole time and then you watch him in bed as he's listening to the sounds of the house and the sounds of outside and any other director would have done something completely different and 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 sort of elementary but to me I think that scene is the most effective shot of the film and it was very brave I I, I was amazed that he actually pulled it off and was able to keep it in the film Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things like there was a lot of things like that. And even just the subtle things in the beginning of the movie, like one, one of the thing uh, I, I have to bring back to what Mark was talking about, about loss mm. was that um, the one thing that I caught on to pretty quickly was how in the beginning of the movie, her mother dies and it's like the funeral and everything like that. And I, I remember thinking like, Hmm, is everyone seems very kind of like, so what, like, you know, it was so kind of cold and there was not much emotion from her um, or, you know, the kids or the husband or anything like that. And then like, she, she's moving the box of her mom's stuff and then she turns off the light and then suddenly like 
she sees her standing there and that gave mm-hmm. me fucking chills dude yeah see the mm-hmm. reason why that that scene is so effective is because it's to me was like um it's like uh you could take it two different ways you could think oh is it just in her head like she's got this guilt because she didn't really uh, grieve her mother's mm-hmm. passing and there wasn't really much emotion so she thinks she's seen her or it's like her mother's watching her mm-hmm. and, and there's something really sinister happening and and i went more with b because i was like i don't think this movie's gonna be i don't think it's gonna go so simple mm-hmm. i don't think that's i think he wants to challenge the the, the audience a little mm-hmm. bit and I, I think he wants to throw a couple curveballs and see if you're paying attention. And then by the time you get to that third act, it's going to hit you so hard, which it fucking does. It's like all those small things in the beginning were leading into such a bigger, you know, build up and bigger meaning. And and Mm -hmm. it just really impresses the fuck out of me, man. Like he really did a lot. Yeah. I I felt that like, I I thought it was going to be one of these things where, they're all nuts. I mean, it, it, they give it to you right at the beginning that they have uh, schizophrenia mm-hmm. and depression. And um, she had DID. Apparently she had DID as well. Um, just the mother all, did. Yeah. The mother did. Yeah. And, and like her brother had schizophrenia and he hung himself. Um, so there's hints of all of this mental illness in there. And I, I felt that it was just, everybody's going fucking crazy. And that's what's, that's what the reveal is going to be at the end. Um, yeah, that's what I thought too. Because even the title, like hereditary, like my gut was like, "Oh, it's just the insanity. It's it's hereditary down to the family." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, and I think that's a little bit why I was a little um, sort of uh, disappointed by the ending because it there it is peppered through. I mean, there are all these ghostly images. She, we have that little light thing that happens um, first to. Uh, First, it happens to uh, Charlie, and then it mm-hmm. happens to Peter, um, and then um, it, it, there's there are all these like little tiny things, um, and then it gets to the point where it's like she's climbing on the walls, and I, I just that was the part that I was like, I mean, it was scary, and it and I understand why they put it in there because they had to have kind of a bombastic ending, but at the same time, I feel like that's where things just kind of went like, all right what is going what is going on here you know Mm -hmm. where like i didn't know the rules of that world because everybody was focusing on the 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 mental illness the dread Mm -hmm. the loss and and all of that stuff so any of those other rules it's like so now you have spider powers or (laughs) you know that kind of just felt uh just a little off um it's like how how can she do that how can she climb around like that why was she doing that it felt like she was chasing him at the end but at the same time was she trying to get him out of there because there was a naked smiling guy in the corner of you know all of this all of this stuff um is uh you know i i just didn't know what annie after she sets um steve on fire um annie just becomes this kind of uh where we we follow her through this whole time and then we just don't know what's going on with her in that last half hour then she saws her own head off Uh, it's Mm -hmm. it's like uh like what's what's happening there is she trying Mm -hmm. to protect him is she finally just saying has she accepted that thing that she's been like 
like the, has she accepted the cult that she's like kind of been like fighting against this whole time like what i needed a scene in there to know what was happening with well, Annie. i think with i think for me that's where the repeat viewing really came in handy and just like mm-hmm. knowing where it ends up and then seeing all the little stepping stones you know paying attention to things like when there's that book of like spirit mm-hmm. uh you know encounters or spiritual like whatever and there's the whole entry on the demon payment and it talks about how uh it wants a, a male host mm-hmm. and you see like all things like okay so the blue light i mean that is the in essence that is the the demon mm-hmm. it's only seen the charlie at first because charlie is the one that the uh the grandmother had chosen because she wanted to get peter to be the essence of the demon but instead since they were estranged at the time yeah she managed to get her i think even annie says like she got her hooks into charlie Mm -hmm. like she like even breastfed her and like that you know fucked up little diorama yeah Um, yeah um so it's like this whole thing where it's like the if the blue is the demon first it gets charlie and then it's trying to get peter and then right after uh, Steve is immolated after the book goes up and uh, Tony Collette's screaming, the, the blue light goes into her. Mm-hmm. And then that's when she has a snap and starts doing like the Exorcist 3 ceiling crawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, yeah. There's a you very clear differentiation. There's a face that yeah. she makes where she's mm-hmm. screaming because she has just set Steve on fire. Yeah. And yeah. she just, it, it stops at a, at a heartbeat. Yeah. And, yeah. and yep. she just breaks down. Everything after that is the demon controlling yeah. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's disposable because the end game has always been Peter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, like, again, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but watching it a second time, I love how the opening of the movie, you zoom in on the little model of the, the room. God, it's such a good it's, shot. And mm-hmm. it's Peter's room. And yeah. it's like right there at the setup. It's like, this is, well, this the, is the purpose. This is who it is. This yeah. is who the movie is all about. I didn't and even the, notice that part. The first yeah. shot is of the treehouse as well. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. The treehouse from Peter's room, which he always looks out there and you can always see the, the red light on in there. And mm. um, it's always, it, it, I don't know if it creeps him out or what, but um, it seems like he's always looking out that window and, and mm-hmm. seeing it. Um, I, I, one of the things that um, this film has, I mean, it, it reminded me a lot of um, not only um, the other films that you were talking about, um, Rosemary's Baby, definitely with all with the whole all of them, which is uh, sort of mm-hmm. things, but um, also um, uh, Halloween, because there's there are those uh, scenes where they're in the school and they look across the outside the window mm-hmm. and across mm-hmm. the street. There's this person standing over there looking mm-hmm. directly at them inside of the school from an uh, extremely far distance away. And that happens you know, like, twice in the film, I think. Yeah. One of the fun things that like and when I first watched it, too, I noticed and I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on there? They're at the funeral. And at the viewing of the coffin and Charlie's there looking at her grandmother and she looks over and there's that creepy smiling guy. Like, yeah. Yeah. and, and like, he's, the he's the like? naked guy at the, yeah. At it's like, at, yeah. when I'm yeah. watching the movie the first time, I'm like, who's this fucking petter ass? You know? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you get to the end and it's like, Oh, okay. He looked like and- Toby Flenderson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but like, she even brings it up. Like one of the first things she says when she's addressing the, the, uh, the congregation at the funeral is, Oh, it's so nice. It's so lovely to see so many new faces here. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the second repeat viewing, you realize all of those new faces are people from the cult that yeah. Tony Collette's character doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. And so they're all there to celebrate the passing of this, we- the queen, basically, mm-hmm. uh, Payman's queen. And um, it, it's so creepy. Um, 
It's also oh. really, I also really like the the nice little touch of like her mom was making those foot, like the, those uh, welcome mats for yeah. her. And they had their names on it and they had all these symbols around it. And then she sees mm. it at that other lady's place. And then she goes back and she pulls out all these mats. And you could just see all of the kind of like occult uh, imagery on those mats. And it's, mm. I mean, it's a wonder just looking at those mats. Um, it, I mean, you can understand why um, she boxed them up and didn't use those things because they are creepy as hell. Yeah, you know? mm. It's got their name on it and it's surrounded by all of these like um, sigils and, and stuff. So. Mm. Yeah. Um, but one of the things, uh, the other thing that, that always felt like a, a trope to me was that you always got to pay attention when you're in a classroom because whatever the, um, whatever the lesson is basically explains the movie to you. Um, <laughs> and I actually wrote this one down and they were talking about how it was Heracles um, and they were talking about how um, in this play, and I don't, I, I don't know what the play is, but um Charlie doesn't really, or I'm sorry, Peter doesn't really pay attention to it, but it says that Heracles didn't have a choice. And uh, the teacher goes, is that a, tra is that tragic that he knows he doesn't, he, he doesn't know that um, he's being put through all these trials. Um, is it less tragic or more traffic tragic that he doesn't know? Um, and uh, it's they the other person in the classroom says, well, it's more tragic because they're just pawns in a, in a horribly hopeless machine. So mm. um, it definitely kind of shows that, Peter is the pawn in this, and this happens very early in the movie. It's like one of the first scenes we see him in the in the classroom, and he's he's like um, checking out the girl in front of him. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, he's like looking stuff. at her butt. Yeah, yeah, and he's texting people, and he's the teacher calls him out for not paying attention. But again, it's like that you you saw that in It Follows, you saw that in in um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah, and uh, like even in like Halloween, movies like Urban Urban Legend, and Halloween and was like the first Green. one to really do that, right? And yeah, everybody else yeah. kind of picked up on that. Definitely, yep. yeah. So, um, but it's it's definitely one of the things that anytime you show up in a classroom and that and there's a you're in mid lecture, you know, it's going to basically be a metaphor about what's happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the characters of the film. I know we've touched on a bunch of them briefly, and um, let's just go down the IMDb list real quick. Alex Wolf as Peter. Um, I really liked him. I, I thought he was really good. I think as the ultimate victim um, of this film, I, I think that um, he was really effective and interesting to watch. And he has a lot to work with here. And I think it really pulls everything off. What do you guys think of, of him? Mm, yeah, I thought he was, he was really impressive. I mean, everybody like everyone in that movie impressed me. Like even though mm -hmm. what's that woman's name, Joni or something. And down yeah. to play that, Joan. Yeah, Joan. She's, she's always great, though. She's she, a good actress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she was kind of like carved a niche out of for herself for being like, oh, somebody who just knows more than the old matronly, <laughs> yeah. matronly. Yeah, kind of yeah like, she was in like the Leftovers TV show, and then uh, you know, on uh, Handmaid's Tale, and kind of uh, playing mm -hmm. the same, same kind of character, somebody who knows a lot more and is kind of. She's got a hot nude scene in this one. Got a hot nude scene. <laughs> <laughs> actually i don't think i think she was the only one not naked up in yeah. uh, at the end yeah she was hunched over and she was clothed she's, but saving, I don't... It. she's saving it for playboy <laughs> but I, don't, I don't really know where this guy is from Have, i mean apparently he was in jumanji I've seen that oh yeah the new one right yeah. yeah yeah i saw that that was yeah that's that's where i saw him she was okay. also in gilf monthly 
<laughs> We're still on Alex Wolf. Oh, sorry, Alex. <laughs> he was not in that. Um, I like Alex Wolf. He was in, also in um, My Friend Dahmer, and he was pretty much the star. Oh, um, oh yeah. The main guy in that movie. Um, and, and he's a, yeah, he's a cool up and coming actor, I think. Um, although he plays pretty much the same character in My Friend Dahmer and in this one, he's just kind of like a dopey teenager guy that's dealing with a lot of issues at home um mm-hmm. this one much more extreme but um yeah he's kind of like the outcast kind of kid of kid of the month um but he's he seems like a a, a cool actor um he's got a big mole <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's i noticed it because um in the drawings that charlie makes mm-hmm. she very much features a prominent mole on his on his lip um, mm-hmm. in those drawings that she's drawing um, with the X's over his eyes um, mm-hmm. from the spirit world. Um, right. it, and that's the reason why you know it's it's Peter, because he's got that, that big um, mole. Mole, mole, mole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember reading um, after this movie came out that he had spoken a little bit about filming the movie and um, he said he lost a little bit of his sanity while filming it. He said apparently had a pretty, pretty big emotional impact on him. Just the process of making this film, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. You don't hear that very often, um, but I, I thought, yeah, I felt bad for him. Yeah, of all the characters, I felt worse for him than, mm-hmm. than anyone else. Um, yeah, he's a he was a definitely a sympathetic character. Just to hear what um what annie says to him um and to to kind of like be on the be on the brunt of all of that guilt is is extremely hard uh, mm-hmm. so um uh who's next uh oh gabriel you know someone had said i think it was at you steven who was like everyone in this movie was great i think gabriel Byrne, for the caliber of actor that he is was given fuck all to do in this movie mm, yeah. uh, as the patriarch steve um he's I one just, dimensional yeah so one well, see yeah. i i don't think so i think he's the only one that's he's trying to keep it together and someone in you you look at like a family structure as fucked up as that is and someone's got to be a rock in mm-hmm. that group and it's certainly not going to be annie who's this unstable artist who wants to to catch like douses her kids in paint thinner mm-hmm. and blames it, blames it on sleepwalking. It's yeah, like crazy. Yeah, she's like saying fun. she goes, it was just sleep. It's so funny because um, uh, Ann Dowd asks her, well, what about your son? And she immediately goes into this story about her sleepwalking, dousing him in, in paint thinner and then standing there with a match and her waking up where she, when she struck the match. Um, and that that's the first thing that comes to her mind when she's, when she's asked about, Hey, what's going on with your son? It, you know, it just doesn't, <laughs> it, it, it just felt like that's how morbid Anne is. And, mm just that that she's not even describing him his accomplishments what he does maybe he doesn't do anything i i mean really you don't see him doing anything like he's Mm -hmm. got some sports equipment in his room but you don't see him playing any sports he's just basically going out and getting high and that's about it um so he's not really he doesn't really have he's probably not the best academic um not the best uh sports guy he's probably Mm -hmm. got just a bunch of you, you know it's he's he's not the 
they're not the proud parents. (laughs) (laughs) a douche. (laughs) I feel like, I don't know, I feel like as a character, him not having, engaging much with the world, and I feel like waking up to find that your mother has doused you in a flammable liquid and she's holding a match, I feel like that's going to have an adverse effect on on, how outgoing you are. Um, But... I mean, but back to Gabriel Byrne is like there's that there's that whole scene at the dinner table where he's letting them try to talk because he's probably he's probably thinking, okay, well, this is good. They're finally talking. They're finally mm-hmm. getting something out. And then it gets to this kind of ugly level. And then he's like, stop it. This is where we we um, this is where you got to draw the line. He is kind of like a, a pushover. Yeah. Um, even when like she wants to do the uh, the ritual, she's like she's like steven get over here yeah peter oh, get, yeah. get over here and she's pushing him around and doing all this stuff but i i would just i i saw that that is much more realistic than if like all of a sudden he had a flamboyant character as well yeah well i was mm. reading um a lot of stuff got cut out and i don't even know if it made it to the finished film i didn't notice it but apparently he's a therapist his character mm. and, uh, there was some stuff on the cutting room floor where it was revealed that he was uh, Annie's therapist, and that's how they met. Oh wow! And then hmm. yeah, there is a very very quick sequence where he's typing an email to somebody, and yeah. I didn't even catch it. But one of the one of my friends who was watching a movie past Wednesday was like, "Oh, he was her therapist." And apparently, there was something in that very quick glimpse of an email that he was typing, uh, let them know, "Oh, he's a therapist." Because we we literally went, "What does what does this guy do? What is his?" Like yeah. he's a non-character. What is his job? And it wasn't until that point they were like, "Oh, he's a therapist," and he was her therapist. So, so that, um, I mean, that makes sense with his like kind of passivity mm-hmm. to the family because he's trying to just let them work the stuff out. But and he, yeah, and he's trying to, he, and that's really like it could be a healthy and normal way of doing it. It's just that mm. these are not healthy people, yeah, and they definitely need some kind of guidance. And yeah. he's just because he's too close to the situation, he's unable to to do that as well but like you say Um, mark it probably is better that he is more of a simple character when you have so much going on like if he had his own set of crazy neuroses and all this other stuff happening it would be like say he like had showed love show tunes and like he danced around the house and (laughs) has a a musical number with the (laughs) with the the pigeon head (laughs) that would be That'd be a little bit too much, I think. It's I don't know. I didn't think he. I didn't not like that character. I understood it a little bit more just by just because um, someone like Annie sort of has to have the spotlight at all times. It feels I I really disliked her character as mm. as good a performance that she did, which she did. Um, but um, there are some of the things that she did that are. I mean, I, I just felt it was so selfish and so mm-hmm. frustrating. Um, the fact that she's recreating the death scene um, of Charlie um, as a miniature and she does. And Peter goes, don't you understand what this or I'm sorry, Stephen goes, don't you understand what this can do to Peter, what this does to everyone else? And she goes. She, and she she doesn't she doesn't get it. She's like, yeah. no, this is my thing. I'm dealing with this stuff. This is how I deal with my with with what's happening but she's not thinking about how her art can affect those mm-hmm. close closest to her mm-hmm. and it, it, it and then she says those things like she says i never wanted to be your mother i tried to have a miscarriage and i didn't know if that was a that was a dream um, yeah, it was a dream was it a dream because mm-hmm. yes. but also um or was it a flashback to when she was supposedly sleepwalking and um because she was doused in in uh 
um the painter well like, in that yeah. ends in that, sequence, that ends she, with her lighting everybody on fire and and everything so well in I, that sequence she's they're both dry and yeah. she's saying all those things and then you know um covering her mouth after she says it and then continues talking anyway mm. and then in a split second they're both doused so i took yeah. that to be the visual representation of the, the way dreams work yeah yeah, yeah. i mean mm-hmm. I, yeah i get that but i i also think that there's like there's there's definitely that's the way she feels and maybe she yeah. didn't tell that to him but that's the way she kind of feels mm-hmm. and and it, it, it just, things like that where it made it really hard to like her yeah uh, also i mean she did a, a fantastic job of of being this person who's basically grasping at straws just trying to anything to get over this grief or uh, you you know talk to charlie at some point or at some point um she gets all caught up in this uh this séance stuff and um totally manipulated at her weakest point by uh, Ann Dowd's character um mm-hmm. which all of it is 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 really awesomely done um it Still, it just doesn't make her a a, a sympathetic. Yeah, I don't. I don't look at her as the hero of the story. Like, no, yeah, she's no, definitely no, no. a mess. Yeah, but I do. I find her so engaging to watch that I. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's wonderful. But no, she's. Yeah, I don't want to hang out with her. No. <laughs> no, well, no, I, no. I I honestly had a hard time liking any of the characters. It's like mm-hmm. even Peter, who's very sympathetic, he is also kind of just like he's just your do- your typical kind of like doper. Like like dopey kind of like a pothead teenager mm-hmm. that's just kind of checked out and it's just not not fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, know? I mean, make no mistake, this is not a fun movie. No, <laughs> you know, I kind of put this. There's like a, a genre of movies that I find to be, you know, um, just expertly made, but not one that I want to sit through too many times. Like I think of. Dancer in the Dark with Bjork. Oh God, Lars Van Trier. Yeah. Jesus uh, Christ, dude. Requiem for a Dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and now this. I think these are all movies that, God damn it, they're so expertly done, and there's yeah. such a craft to it. But that is isn't... funny. <laughs> oh God. Um, but yeah. What did you guys think of Millie Shapiro? Oh, what a weird looking kid. What a bummer. Uh, yeah. Um. She plays Charlie. I think she was excellent. I think she did uh, everything she was supposed to do really well. But yeah, I, I I wondered if they had done something to her prosthetics prosthetically um, mm. to make her uh, look that way. But Maybe they um, gave no. her peanuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the only plot holes that I I think is so in the movie. Horrible. What the fuck high school party are kids baking cakes and cutting up nuts to put in them? I know that. Was well, weird. they may have been making um, edibles. Yeah. Maybe they were making like pot brownies. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. That's that what I think. Yeah. That I, might be. Cause she, she walked in the room and she definitely was like disoriented because of the way she addressed that. Like she couldn't breathe. It was yeah. even that was like, kind of awkward and and strange well even the way she was eating was kind of odd too but i think yeah. that, you know i think she's just like kind of a, a special uh actress i don't know like if she's been in anything else other than this movie but um, um i'm it, just looking at her imdb she uh, was in broadway and, kids against bullying and she um also was Good. played matilda in the matilda musical on broadway yeah so and look but, I, I mean even even in the picture that they have of her they i mean they 
they did some stuff to her. I mean, yeah. they kind of mm-hmm. highlighted, they put some bags under her eyes. They kind of highlighted her, like some higher cheekbones that were kind of set things off and also ratted up her hair a lot. So mm-hmm. I think that that, that uh, helps that kind of just, uh, it's like an otherworldly kind of quality yeah. um, that, that um, she kind of fortunately has. Mm. But yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, what, what a, kind of odd looking face to just like draw you in too Mm -hmm. yeah trying to see like what you know what is her deal like is she just weird is you know yeah is there something else going on i think they i think she was autistic i think that's that seems to be what what it what the actual thing was Mm. well but how much i I took it as payment was in there payment she was a housing um for Payman the demon so um it was revealed early in the movie you know when tony collette is at the um the group session and she talks about how her brother killed himself because he tried uh what does he say he says that the grandmother kept trying to um like put people in his head put people in him yeah so um the grandmother kept trying to fuck with the boys of the family and then once she ran out of boys to work with they were able to put payment inside of Charlie and then all of the whole plot moving forward to get, um, you know, to kill Charlie and then to move payment into Peter. Uh So uh, all of those little ticks that she has like duck and the chocolate Mm. that she eats Uh and um, all that stuff, that's all part of payments personality. Mm. And the the headings, the, all the well, and also, animals and shit. Also, she draws the. This is what, something I noticed, and it, I do like this movie better having seen it twice. It's still not my favorite movie of from last year, um, but I, I definitely think that it it's it's more entertaining the second time. It's just that I didn't like spending time with these people and this. I movie get that. Yeah, again. it's not a movie I'll revisit because it does, like you said, it does take you to such a like a downer of a place that I couldn't imagine like having a party and then just watching this and then like everybody going like, I can. All right. I could totally do it, man. (laughs) That's what we did. That's what we did on Wednesday. We ordered a bunch of pizzas and and we put on hereditary. Oh, you should have did like weed brownies with like walnuts in them. (laughs) Yeah. Serve the nuts right at the right time. Yes. But um, there's that scene where she draws the pigeon with the crown and a beak and and all of that and then the whole movie ends on the shot of him wearing a paper crown he's got the bandage over his nose that makes him kind of look like a like it's kind of like a beak kind of ah. like looking. and so that's kind of like her predicting what how the whole thing is going to end so again like there's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie like as they go to the um to the party they're driving down the road and the camera follows them until it's in the middle and it, it stops right on that post uh, yep. right where she's about to hit um, later on in the movie, which I noticed this time, but I didn't notice it the first time. You know? Well, not only that, but the image that we keep seeing, the little hier- hieroglyph, uh, the demonic hieroglyph mm-hmm. that we see throughout the film is painted on that particular um, uh, pole. Yeah, yeah. It's like yep. there's so much so much stuff that um mm-hmm. that that he does and and like it's uh, like they said in that whole uh thing in the classroom it's like it's all around them like it's happening yeah. all around them they're just not you they're they're oblivious to it um yeah. and us as the as the viewer are oblivious to it at the very beginning 
or as on the first viewing, but the second time they see it, it's yeah. um, it's it's pretty obvious what's what's going on. But uh, I don't know. It, it it was it's a rough movie. It's I mean I, mm-hmm. I I don't know if I would recommend it to to. It's funny because like I have a I have friends who like just like horror movies that are just like kind of fun horror movies. Oh sure. And there and there are two sort of different types of horror. There's like the there's the serious horror. Like I would put this in the category of The Exorcist and It Comes at Night and uh, um, The Witch, where it's like you don't have that chance to kind of breathe or um, laugh or or any of that stuff. There's not a lot of funny stuff going on. And then there's then there are like other movies which I really like. Um, I liked Crawl this year, and, and I thought that I want to see of, that. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun, um, but it also had a lot of really fun humor in it as well that I think that um, it allows you to kind of like let that out. And it feels a lot more breezy than it than something like this. And it's mm-hmm. it's harder. This is just harder to. Uh, oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. Harder to digest yeah. sometimes yeah. if you're not um, right. For it. I don't know. Do, is there anything left to say about Tony Collette, who plays Annie? Incredible. Uh, yeah. It's just I, I Tony Collette. Um, I think the first time I ever saw her, she was in the sixth sense mm-hmm. and I thought, Oh, okay. She's pretty interesting to watch, but more and more, the, what I see from her is just astounding. The, yeah. She's so engaging to watch. She has such an interesting face. Mm-hmm. Uh, she really goes for it whenever she needs to, like she doesn't <laughs> hold back. At all. I think she's I don't know. I, I, and, and I agree. I totally agree with you. She's a fantastic actress, but I do think that this movie kind of, lingers on her mugging face just a little bit too much and the last time she did it it just got to the point where it's just it felt like she was just in a cartoonishly kind of like her eyes are bulging and her mouth is like six miles wide especially if you're watching this on a on a movie screen and it just felt i i feel i could have used one less scene of that see i'd like because like that again reminded me of kubrick and like in Mm -hmm. How we'd have the shots of like Danny or, you know, of course, uh, yeah, poor Shelly Duvall, Shelley Duvall mm-hmm. just yeah. like yep. and just those shots of it, it is kind of mugging, but at the same time, it's also like tapping into like what's the most extreme look of horror that you can get and just like burn it in. It's like, you know, it's Tony like Collette's face. Yeah, it's like moves <laughs> the scream, you know, it's like you have the scream, which is supposed to be this like image of horror. And then for movies, you have Tony Collette's face. <laughs> Yes, but like it's it's just supposed. I think it's supposed to be over the top and not not subtle at all. Like, and I think it works really well in this. Well, yeah, I think I think that's the thing too is that she really dove hardcore into this performance where she sort of like let loose, and and there was no insecurities whatsoever about like using her physical, you know, like her her facial expressions in the most in craziest uh, ways. Um, it, it, when I think about her, I think about like how she can do this sort of thing, but she can also do comedy and, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like Krampus. Like she's, she's mm-hmm. really good in Krampus, but Krampus, if you think about it was sort of light. So it was really kind of like you're playing the mom and there's a little bit of like that whole like dysfunctional thing going on, but it never gets too heavy. So have fun with it is basically what they gave her for that. And she yeah. still owned it like no problem. It was like, you know, pr- probably easy for her. This movie, I think, was like sort of like 
this this was kind of raw in a way. Yeah. It was like it was like basically you got to let loose. You got to do things emotionally, physically that you haven't done in previous movies because we don't want the sixth sense. We want like completely unhinged. Yeah. And like and and to the point where it's going to be unsettling and and bizarre, and you're just going to weird people out. And and I think that's where she. I really like. I remember sitting there last night and and telling my wife, I was like, you know, she is really the whole show here. Like, yes. I mean, there's a lot to love about the cinematography, the the way of atmosphere, and a lot of the the lighting the moments. The lighting was actually that was one other thing. Side note is um, the lighting in the movie, the palette uh, was really interesting because they do this really sort of colorful, bright palette. But then mm-hmm. once the second act is about midway through, that's when things get hella dark and darker and darker. And it's, and it becomes so, um, you, you, it's, it, there's a point where there was something that happened that didn't, it, they didn't show before like it didn't establish and i kind of like this is that when she brought them downstairs to do that seance did you notice all her little diagram houses were all twisted and fucked up no she go go look at it that was the first thing i caught was i was like it really creeped me out too because there was one that was like she put like on rock and mud and twisted and and it was like they don't show her do this Mm. they bring she brings her husband and son downstairs to, to, to get them to do the seance. But as the camera is going, like following the feet down the stairs, you can see on the left side of the diagram houses and it's all fucked up and weird. And I'm like, what? And then the camera's turning as they're like, you know, coming down the stairs, walking down the floor. And there's like, I think to the right, there's like another diagram house and there's something like, like she did to it that made it look all fucked up and unsettling. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's really interesting because they never showed her do that. Yeah. So it's well, like, they did show know. her, they did show her smashing up one of them. Right. It was when they called in and they asked her if she was going to be okay. And then she, well, the first time she breaks the little chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the second time she just kind of just totally destroys something. And then he comes home and, and like her entire workshop is kind of, destroyed i think right Mm -hmm. yeah that's it but that's the thing though is that the scene was even before that and it was it was a neat little little trick because uh you know in a sense i guess you could say that it was kind of a little subliminal moment Mm -hmm. like um using subliminal techniques like that really impressed me because um it sort of like harkens back i guess to exorcist where the exorcist used that really quick blink of Pazuzu's face and it happened so fast you could miss it but if yeah. you don't miss it you feel fucked up so it's yeah. kind of like a similar moment where it happens quickly and it's so well placed that you will miss it but yeah. if you see it and you examine it for a second you're like oh what the fuck like mm-hmm. when did she do that like it's it did that right there told me that where this now is headed is is most definitely possession there's definitely something malevolent happening and I just can't wait to find out what it is, you know, type of moment because mm-hmm. I'm deranged. I, I like that shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> and like the set design of, of this whole thing is, is amazing because every scene you're it, almost every establishing shot when they first bring you into wherever scene, when they change a scene, it's a flat shot 
of of a room and because the beginning shot starts out as a miniature and then it becomes a uh it becomes a bigger scene an actual scene inside the movie um mm -hmm. every one of them it has you doubting or it has you asking like is this happening in her is this another setup inside her uh inside her miniatures or is this the real world and mm -hmm. um and it just really is is unsettling the way he does that i i i think that that's uh i th there are a lot of really really smart smart moves in here and i think ari aster is, a, is an extremely smart guy um uh, there's a um I, I don't know. What do you guys think? It, it, it feels like there's a lot of metaphor going on um, mm -hmm. in here, especially with her making these miniatures and using that as kind of like a cathartic piece to kind of understand um, like what's going on with her. But um, to me, when I was watching it, I was wondering if that was um, basically he was taking it a step backward. And just as how Annie is dealing with these problems, these uh, issues that that are going on in her past um ari aster is kind of setting up these little scenes for like in in a mini version of inside the movie kind of in the same way and directing them and trying to dissect them and and putting them through little scenes um mm. but i i mean that's just the way i got it i don't know if you guys had any theories about why they why she was doing what she was doing or I don't know. I, if you look at it metaphorically, I think maybe, you know, it goes back to that lecture that is uh, in Peter's class about, mm. you know, you're at the, the victim of fate and trying to get some kind of control over it. And maybe like by making these tiny little scenes and these tiny little shots of life, like she's supposed to be trying to get control over her own life mm -hmm. and over the chaos that her life has been, you know, mostly because of her mother. Mm -hmm. um, and in the same way, this cult is kind of manipulating all of these people in this house, um, in each of these rooms, sort of like it, it, like in in sort of like the same way. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can even see because in the rooms in their house, there are all these you know incantations written on the walls, mm -hmm. and then she starts putting them in the rooms in her models. Mm -hmm. So you can see that as being a metaphor of like, like yeah, she's not in control; she's a slave to what's already been happening. So much yeah. so that she's taking what they've put in her house and putting it on her artwork. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, on a non-metaphoric level, it is really creepy to just have a little miniature set up like that. Oh, yeah. Like you said, yeah. Just like fading in and out. It reminds me a little bit of, it was it, oh, it's, it was being John Malkovich. Uh, just those little puppet, the puppeteering stuff and yeah. uh, the scenarios that he would act out in his puppeteering that were very much a, what was going on in his real life as well. Mm -hmm. Um, uh and, and yeah i i do think that like using those things and it's like moving around little toys and just like playing with them and, and doing all of these things it's just and uh, again like I, I keep coming back to the shining because i just remember that scene of jack looking down into the model of the hedge maze mm -hmm. and then as he looks down it you know changes into the real hedge maze with mm -hmm. his wife and kid walking and it's like the same kind of technique and you know the same uh, symmetrical uh, layouts and the same just slow uh, zoom in with the cameras and everything. Yeah. Um, again, like Kubrick is all over this movie in terms of like his influence. Um, and it's not a bad thing because if you're going to if you're going to swipe from somebody like swipe from the best, right? Yeah, yeah true. Definitely. True. Definitely. Yeah, the influence is there, but it's definitely not. Um, and I know I'll catch heat for this, but you know, like Tarantino will steal a shot, a scene, you know, from something. And it's very like, 
easy to see where he stole from you know mm -hmm. even like he did that with kill bill uh volume one the the scene with the the bullet being shot through the you know the barrel like he stole that literally from Dar dario argento from opera mm -hmm. and i knew it right away i was like wow okay dude <laughs> you know <laughs> so he would just he just does that and just sticks them in his movies, like, you know, kind of like hodgepodging them in where this was like it would, the influences were there and on, on his sleeve, on the director's sleeve. But it was never a point where I felt like, well, this is just straight up trying to rip off, blah, blah, blah. Because we all seen that with horror movies, especially. Yeah. It's like it gets sometimes it gets embarrassing because it's like, oh, God. This is so bad. This tries so hard to be alien or <laughs> or this or that or exorcist, yeah. whatever. But this movie had like its own flow, its own feel. Um, it had like a lot of things about it that for me just really clicked. And the thing is, is that I'm I'm the one coming into this the the latest out of the group. And and I last year heard a lot of hype, you know, a lot, a lot of hype on it. Um and in kind of odd with the his follow-up because it was mixed on my end like from what people were telling me there was people that were like they were like oh dude it's fucking awesome it's really fucked up and then there's other people who also enjoyed this film that went to see uh midsummer and and said that they thought it sucked they well, were just like it's just not good it's I like don't, i don't think it sucked i think that it um it it, it it's very similar almost too similar mm. that it it's like you know you've got you've got a finale with a bunch of naked people you've got <laughs> um, and and it all leads up where everybody's kind of oblivious to what's going on around them and it all leads up to this ritual at the end um it mm -hmm. it um there's a tragedy at the very beginning um that jd said it it happens much sooner in the narrative than um than in um hereditary but still it's it, also there's this very strong female lead where um and i think that uh look what was her name pew um clements pew or something like that what is it uh florence pew um she is a lot like um uh tony collette in mm. that um i mean she's just she gives she really does give her all um especially in when she suffers this gigantic loss at the very uh, beginning of the movie, um, it, it the grief and the the dread is really really hard to kind of sit through, and um, and also knowing what the kind of relationship situation that she's in, um, it that makes it even harder. Um, that I, I don't want to give away too much about the movie because um, you haven't seen it, but still at the same time, it's I do think that it's um, he he somehow is able to kind of get these performances out of these, uh, these actors that mm -hmm. um, are really do are, they go so low. Um, it's, it's just um, it, it's, and I don't know if that's, I mean, I'm sure it has to do with the actors he chooses, but at the same time, he's, I'm just wondering what he does to kind of get th that emotion out of them. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, it's kind of cool too. Like just, it, just thinking about movies you see that are like, big budget studio movies. And like you said, like, you know, I forgot who was talking about the trailers for like romantic comedies or whatever. Mm -hmm. They all look the same. It's like the, the thing about horror genre that I really like is there's a lot of shit out there in horror movies and we've mm -hmm. all waited through it. But when you see a horror movie like this or like hereditary or like some other ones where, because it is still, despite 
everything that's been done in the genre, it's still considered like a fringe kind of genre. It's still like, oh, it's not mainstream. It's a horror movie. Like, oh, it doesn't count. But that gives people the leeway to to do things that aren't safe. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get these great performances. And when you get really uh, good actors and directors who know how to push it, and you have this freedom because you're in this in this uh, in this kind of fringe atmosphere. It's like you know you can you can push it. You can go for it because this is not going to be something they're going to be like. Oh well, we have to make sure that this will you know play to the masses when we you know we want to get the most. We're going to rate it PG thirteen because we want to get the most possible mm-hmm. audience to see it, and we're going to you know try to sell it to you know this demographic and this age group. Um, and I think that because there's a, there's a certain fearlessness that comes with the best of the horror movies because of that, uh, kind of, uh, that kind of fringe-ness of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think that, that also, you could say that about like the best comedies. Um, I, I think about like some of the comedies that, that I've laughed at the hardest over the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. And they're ones that they do take risks and they do, they don't care if they're going to offend or if they're going to, they just don't walk that safe line. They just kind of uh, like, they play against expectations, which Mm. that's the reason why I go to movies anyway. I don't want to see an exact replica of my life or I don't want to see just something I can predict. If, if I, if I do that, then that's the, that's the worst part of, a movie for me but if if there it's the surprises it's the surprises in the story surprises in the performances and the just the shot scenes the effects stuff like that that's what really i think should attract people to movies but um i don't know it seems like there's a lot of people out there that just want to know the entire story and that's um okay with them to see that in the preview but mm. not me, not me. <laughs> mm. Well, let's move on to the scares because that's that's why we're here. That's why mm-hmm. we watch movies, the fucking scares, dog. Um, I don't know if I have a particular favorite. I think the one that sticks with me the most as far as the visceral reaction I have to something is Tony Collette's character up in the rafters, just hovering mm. and sawing off her own head very slowly <laughs> at first. And then it builds to this crescendo of... I don't even know what she's using. Is it piano wire? I have no idea, but she is systematically just sawing off her own head. And then you don't even see it for most of the scene. And uh, he jumps out of the window. And as he's um, sort of getting ready to stand up from landing outside of the house, you can hear the sawing has stopped and there is a pause. And then you hear the thunk of the head hitting the floor. Mm -hmm. And it's, Mm such a disturbing sequence for me um it's probably my favorite little scare of the film um christian do you have a favorite scare uh several um (laughs) several because of the way it was handled and not a jump scare uh sort of fashion so you basically you have the scene um i'm sorry i'm spacing on his name right now the son what's his name Peter. 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 Right. Um, he wakes up like he it's great camera work, too. He he the way he lays up and the camera goes up and it's like staying there with him uh, level. And he's, you know, he's kind of just, you know, sort of breathing heavy a little bit. And then you look up to the corner and the left and there's a figure you mm. know, 
just just like clinging there and so while you know we we sort of brought this up before earlier mark did um that it was essentially to you know kind of give a nod or or sort of emulate a little bit of the exorcist 3 um you know ceiling crawl and everything <laughs> um i thought that shot alone it, it just chills instant chills um because of how well shadowed it was um however i kind of wish they didn't show her crawling off because mm -hmm. it looks weird yeah, yeah you can see that she's on a on a on a uh pulley like a string yeah there's it was no very weird yeah it looked across. like she was swimming like she was swimming away and i was like huh so <laughs> i felt like i kind of like said to myself you know what this is a low budget yeah whatever i'm gonna let it give it a pass um the naked old people were definitely effective um for the most <laughs> most part especially um, smiling guy yeah smiling guy was like okay that that ugh, you know um total pedo shit right there man that was like <laughs> fuck <laughs> god um but uh what was the the what was the other thing there was another part and uh, you know they they did they did like the the background ghost thing like they did it it's funny i gotta wonder if it's coincidence or who did it first because that show on netflix did something similar the haunting of hill house um, mm -hmm. did you yeah. guys watch that mm -hmm. yeah it was awesome i loved it i loved it um and i did love the 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 whole thing about having the ghost hidden because it was something that a lot of people it went over a lot of people's heads but once <laughs> i saw one i knew to look for more yeah because yeah. you know I, i'm you know crazy like that so i'm like oh there's got to be more there's, that can't be it that can't be it you know and I, and I was right and i felt like that in itself became like a weird little game but when this movie didn't do that necessarily it it did it and it did it like kind of like sparse so when it did happen you were like you know Ugh, like the fuck mm -hmm. um so that and the shot of the severed head really that uh, that was nightmare fuel dude i mean yeah I, mm. I, I think it's the editing because it was basically something you just you're seeing her screaming her crying and then it cuts to boom close up of severed head while you hear the screaming and covered it, in ants and covered in ants. ants and all the gore and everything and you're just sitting there like you 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 just get kind of like fuck wow yeah. i i don't even know what to do with myself right now man like that's crazy um so yeah and i think i'm more affected by those these sorts of things like things like um these sorts of themes and horror movies that it used to uh it didn't affect me so much when i was you know wasn't a father so now it's like like you know watch a horror movie that has something like you know death of a, a child you oh, know yeah. and it's like uh like you know especially if it's done in such a, a disturbing way you you it really hits home and it makes it more you know because you know when i was younger when i was a teenager early 20s it was like you know i was mr cynical i was like ha 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 you know giving the middle <laughs> Kill finger, the you know like giving the middle fingers like yeah fuck you kid you know all that kind of shit <laughs> and it's like you know and that's how i was but now i'm all like oh man 
fuck. Yeah. It's like I'm in hell and I'm paying for all that shit. Oh. Well, wait till your daughter gets to be about four and a half, and then you're going to be <laughs> given her the finger. <laughs> yeah. I speak from experience. Yeah. Well, then, you know, I, I, I know, I know it's, it, it's <laughs> definitely like three years away and it's like, mm. you know, I, she's already showing signs of uh, being a little terror, but it's fine. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's expected. <laughs> this is my hell. No, I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I mean, the way that they, the, he handled a lot of that material mm -hmm. and a lot of things visually in terms of placement, editing, um, lighting and and it it was I just can't believe that that movie was only ten million. Yeah, when they, when you said earlier how much it cost, I was like, wow, they really yeah. they spent that's, it well. See, that's 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 <laughs> that's why I always I've always been interested in in mm -hmm. um, in budget for films because the reason why is that um, I always make this argument. I was like, now look at this movie. Like I'll, I'll throw in a quick example, like uh, those like Annabelle, you know, conjuring whatever mm -hmm. uh, movies, all of them, every single one of them are all low budget. They're all like between like uh, 10 to 15 million at tops. And all of them make like between 60 and 80 million domestically. And it's like, yeah. they're, they know their audience. They know exactly what they need to spend and and they get the results they need and they get yep. people to go see them every fucking time so i'm kind of like a, that's been know. like a horror tradition since the get the go though and i mean that's how roger is empire oh, yeah. by turning around like thousand dollar movies in a weekend mm -hmm. yeah and just you know you know people go see it because you make it just something that sounds like a good time to see or something mm -hmm. exciting yeah. yeah i mean that there's so there's there's that which which is like i always look at as smart filmmaking and then there's like the extra bloated horror film from hollywood studio um that costs like 60 to 80 million budget uh it did wasn't that for the same for hellboy the new hellboy was like 60 to 70 million budget or the, it, like the haunted um the luke Besson haunted with uh, oh Owen wilson and um oh yeah and uh liam neeson and oh that was shit yeah. it was horrible, <laughs> horrible. yeah but horrible. they probably it it probably cost like a hundred times as much as the original did and yeah the original, the original is so good and look, and look how terrible this that one was because yeah. it was so like it had so much gloss mm -hmm. and it had so much like you know you could tell it was like they spent all this money on catering <laughs> you know <laughs> and everything and it's like you know hey, i like owen wilson's gotta eat cheeseburgers <laughs> the impossible burger yes he wants, he wants what, what movie is this you're talking about the, the remake haunted. of the haunting uh oh, the haunting well it's like what like nine no the haunting Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. It was was it like 99? Yeah, 99. I saw it in the theater and instantly hey, regretted it. It had so Owen bad. Wilson, Famke Jansen, oh. Lily Taylor, and... Uh, yeah, I remember that. Catherine yeah, the Haunted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liam Neeson. It was horrible. Liam Neeson, yeah. 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 I don't think um, he remembers it. Stephen, do you have a favorite scare? Um, I'm Well, shock, I'd call it more than a scare, but the decapitation scene in the car. Yeah and mm. uh the aftermath like i said when i watched that the first time i just just straight up said oh fuck i, I did the same yeah. thing it did the and same thing i could not i like i felt like i was holding my breath like up through like seeing the head with the the ants on it yeah that whole thing like that was the sucker punch there 
Yeah. I remember mm. thinking uh, as it was happening, and uh, I remember two thoughts. It's still going. Mm. Like the fact that it was, they're, they're still showing it. It just kept, it felt like it mm. went on forever. And I also remember thinking, oh, I'm going to remember this later. <laughs> you know what was, it's a little detail that like, it seems even more fucked up to me when they show the shot of the head with the ants. Mm. There are cars driving on the road past it. In the oh! And it's just like, he's just thinking like, that's somebody's commute. They're just driving by. They have no clue that <clears> that's there. There's a human head. Oh, I didn't even there. notice that. It was just, it was just like a little thing. Like you just see the light pass in the, in the side there as like mm -hmm. the car is going by. And it's just, Oof. for some reason that really stuck with me. And that really got into my head. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Like that's so messed up. Mm. Ambush yeah. bug. It, it got into your head. Like the ants got into her head. Exactly. Womp, womp. In there. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. In and out it, and under and over. Yes. <laughs> It, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I agree with a lot of those scenes that you're talking about. Um, I do think that the, the, the initial, um, the initial beheading scene was really good. Um, but the thing that really, I think affected me most was just the, the aftermath of that. And, um, just that scene of her wailing on the ground, um, mm. on the floor in the mm. bedroom. And then, and then the slow cut to, um, or the slow kind of like pan to him standing in the hallway and just not knowing what to do and just standing there. Yeah. And that's when right after that, that's when you see the head and it's mm -hmm. like just that whole, that whole, like the way it was constructed, the way it was done. Um, the fact that he couldn't look in the rear view mirror back uh, at, at her. Mm -hmm. was just uh, Yeah. And, and it teased it. It's like you go and you, you, peek at it just a tiny bit but that's about it you don't really see anything but um it's the same thing with uh, um and and uh yeah i just think that that scene was really good yeah. uh, later in the movie um like there was a that scene when he's in the classroom and all of a sudden he gets a convulsion and he starts banging his head on the desk mm, yeah and that was pretty fucked up it, it was fucked up but it's like I, I i don't know that felt i think that was the weakest kind of freaky moment in the like compared to all the about the rest of them. Um, oh, I have a I have a weakest as well. Um, mine actually, I both times I watched it, it felt very silly to me. But um, the aftermath of um, the head, she, you know, she saws off her own head and then thunk. The mm. watching the body without a head float <laughs> along and then just float up the yeah. the, the, the ladder house. up into the treehouse. Yeah, it always yeah. feels so silly to me. It does. It, it does feel very silly. Um, and that's the point what I was talking about where it's like, you know, that the, the ritual, that ritual part, it's like the, the movie's over by that point for me, yeah. like all the emotional investment is kind of over almost. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like it can get any worse for anybody. Um, this guy's lost his entire family. So even if he does live, it's, it's, his life is fucked. Um, and and yeah like like they get that body floating by and you're just like all right i'm ready for this to be over with mm. and it's smart they they do end it pretty well i think i mean what do you guys think of the just the very ending that um, ritual part okay uh, for me um i don't know i i thought about it a lot uh today i think personally i could have done without it yeah, mm. me too. i think that what what how I thought about the ending that I feel like maybe would have worked better personally, I'm not saying it's a bad ending, but um, I think that if it went from her 
cutting her head to them then you know like the whole naked ghosts and whatever and, and they're with him and all that shit and then he freaks out and jumps out the window and then lands i thought it would have been pretty cool to have that camera kind of slowly pan down and like you know keep him still and then show like you know um you know show like a bunch of the ghosts like kind of surround him and mm-hmm. then that's it cut like that's it because i don't i don't think they were know. ghosts though i think those were the cult members right yeah, yeah they were naked cult members yeah. oh i thought they were dead no yeah. no yeah. they were they were the people who we've seen sprinkled oh. through the movie, keeping an eye on everything and smiling yeah but still yeah. i agree i think that having them kind of like swarm around him mm. uh, and then he wakes up in the treehouse that i think would have been a yeah uh, a, yeah that's all you need oh, i agree less, less silly yeah uh, it was 100%. a little a little too it it, it went too ambitious i i, mm. I think i think mm-hmm. it was like now we're going to show you the ritual and i'm like uh See, i kind of i kind of disagree with you guys because even though i will say that the floating headless body is kind of goofy looking mm. um i feel like the pace of it as he goes up, it fits very well with the pacing of the rest of the movie. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like this weird dreamlike uh, sequence that I've, I don't know. I feel like, them, I feel like tonally it fits a lot better. Uh, if they had done a quick cut and then he'd end up there. I don't know. To me, that seems like that would have been a little bit more jarring. Mm-hmm. And I do mm-hmm. feel like you do need to have that. end uh, again, watching it multiple times, having that end scene with the, uh, the ritual, putting it all together, uh, and basically tying it up. So then, like, you watch it again, and you see where it all leads. I feel like thematically, ha- like, I guess we're all just sort of playing armchair director here. But I think if we had a a bit of a thematic callback to how we stayed on him while he was driving after Charlie's head fell off, and uh, and then we stay with him in bed while he hears everything else happening. Mm-hmm. I feel like an interesting end to this would have been maybe we stay at the point where he has fallen and we, mm-hmm. the, the camera is parked there, but we do watch him climb up into the treehouse, and we do hear the dialogue from outside of the treehouse, And then we still have the hail payment, hail payment, hail payment. And mm-hmm. then it cuts to, to black or whatever. I think that would have been but not seeing um, kind anything. of interesting. Yeah, but not seeing it. Um, yeah. And you're sort of doing the opposite, um, but also kind of similar from, from earlier in the film. But I do want to say I love the pullback. We would get rid of that wonderful pullback that sort of mirrored the beginning of the film where, you know, the camera sweeps into the house um, and you're not sure if it's a, um, a dollhouse or an actual house until mm-hmm. the end of that little sequence. Yeah. But we get that at the very end here where it pulls back and you see the treehouse as if it itself were part of like some sort of miniature, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I thought is a wonderful visual for the end of the. Yeah, I'm a little yeah. I'm a little torn between the two of those two thoughts, but I really yeah. don't want to lose that that final visual. Of right, how about this? How about, um, the camera goes on Peter when he's on the ground. And then it pans up to the smiling cultists' balls, just dangling, <laughs> just dangling balls, just dangling balls right about And there. then, yeah. and then we don't know if those balls are miniature balls or if they're right. human balls. Wait, so basically, the the, the audience gets teabagged. 
Yes. That's yes. the ending. Just like and the, the balls. Yeah, the camera just goes up closer and closer to the balls. Yeah. And then it <laughs> mirrors up against the camera lens. <laughs> and then and for some and it reason keeps... it's for, for some reason it makes this And like 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 in the end like in the end of um Krampus, where everything is inside that glass dome, mm-hmm. the whole movie takes place within this man's scrotum. And instead of ending with the Joni Mitchell song, they play ACDC's The Big Balls song. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. Sounds like a winner. Done it. Ari Aster, new hashtag release the ball cut. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think that would be a a worthy sequel to Hereditary. All right. Well, uh, let's let's before we get out of here, this is is a nice long podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to ask you guys, how does it compare to other films in this horror sub genre, which is a couple of couple of genres here? We got hauntings, possessions and cults. Uh, What do you what do you guys how do you guys feel that this movie sort of um, uh, holds up to the uh, others in the in the. Mm, uh, I personally, I think that it's less of a cult movie mm-hmm. than, than it is like a haunt slash possession film, but there is the cult stuff in there. And I felt like it was done, you know, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, but that's also a reason why I'm not really going out of my way to see Midsummer because I feel like I've seen that movie like 18 times already mm-hmm. and they all do the same thing. Having seen it, also saw this movie too, which is a lot. There's a lot of similarities. So. Yeah, I think JD. I think you and I are probably going to say the same thing. Like seeing Midsummer, the fun of it is, even though you've seen it mm-hmm. so many times, you know where it's going to end up. But the way it gets there is just you can't look away. It's it's mm-hmm. really pretty incredible. Okay, that's my but, feeling anyway. I, I, yeah, I mean, it, they're, these are kind of like art films, I mean, and they're they're more of like the kind of the the Grand Guignol like stuff where it's like bloody and 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 all over the place and, and very violent. Um, but still, he has a Ari Aster has a very artsy kind of way of doing his horror, and and it is an upper class kind of like horror. It's not like a it's it's not a sequel. We will we'll never see Hereditary two or Midsummer two. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, sure? uh, you never know. <laughs> I mean, Charlie's could, Charlie's Revenge, I guess. I mean, you, you could always get some really shitty, you know, direct-to-video sequel. Like they mm. they've done that so many times on other movies. Like um, I didn't even know for years. I didn't know this, but there was a direct-to-video sequel to The Cell. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. I was so, like, what? Do you know that there was a TV movie, Rosemary's Baby sequel? Yeah, that was no. Cool. Oh, it Andy Newton in it, or is that wow. who it was? No, no, that was the remake. This was oh, one okay. of the '70s they made a TV. Oh movie. yeah, uh, what was? I was starting to watch it the other day. Um, what's it called? Return to Rosemary's Baby or something like something that? Something like that. It's I don't know. I've seen it like they on all like the uh, like the kind of the free horror streaming channels. It's it must be like oh. copyright labs or whatever. There like, was a Rosemary's it. Baby remake. It's on yeah. YouTube. It's terrible. It's no too. idea. Wow. Um, I'm going to look it up. Uh, so, um, Stephen, I, I don't want to, you know, it's a bit of a digression. I disagree with you about Midsummer. I think that um, the way I walked out of that movie was I've seen this movie 
so many times already that by the time I got to this one, there wasn't anything really new here. I think the only really mm. strong stuff about that movie is the character development and mm. the relationships and the stuff that they deal with that Ari Aster deals with, with again, grief and um, relationship stuff, I think is the most yeah. interesting. Mm. Um, the the well, best will, part of that movie is, is the prologue. I will me. definitely agree with you that it's, it's nothing new that you haven't seen. Like I said, my, my enjoyment came from watching it and seeing how it got there. Yeah. And, I mean, it's still very engaging to watch and it's very spooky, and, but and, you know, it's seeing a dude eat pubes, you know, at the same time, I want to see, <laughs> I want to challenge Ari Aster to kind of not have us wallow in the grief uh, mm-hmm. for, for, I don't know, what is it? Two hours, three hours, two and a half, three yeah. half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not all movies have to be about that subject. And that yeah. seems to be what the last two, films of his were um and so i'm hoping that there's um it's the other one's called look what happened to rosemary's baby that's right oh wow okay uh, does anyone else have any anything to say about compares to other other movies in the subgenre anyone? uh i think it's 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 up there like in the in the like some of the best movies that we've had in the last 10 years i think mm-hmm. that it's definitely one of those um I, I think that it, it um, as far as like possession movies or, or cult movies, I think Rosemary's Baby's Baby is probably the best of that of the possession. It's The Exorcist, and everybody else is like down below that, mm-hmm. someplace. But um, I don't think it's I don't think of it as like the best horror movie, but I I do think it's a really really well done movie. Yeah, I I'm gonna give it a little bit higher than that. Really, I think it is almost up there with the exorcist i think that um it's it's very effective and i i hold i hold it in very high esteem this film me too um, especially after this this second viewing um like you know the exorcist is kind of an unattainable goal but this certainly is up there mm. um but should we should we rate it you guys want to do like i don't know what is it how many stars five stars Four radar stars? uh i want to give it five ants out of five ants. Nice. Nice. <laughs> All right. Five out that. of five ants. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll give it four <laughs> out, of, out of five. <laughs> four out of five. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to give it. F- <laughs> God damn it. Um, you go ahead, Christian. Or fuck, Steven. Um, I think I'm gonna give it four naked cultist ball sacks. <laughs> My man. Out of five. Okay. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. I'm gonna give it four and a half <laughs> screaming burning Gabriel Burns out of five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. Those are some high marks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. we all really like this movie, it sounds yeah. like. I really like it a lot, man. It's yeah. it's really it's really, really good, and it's, I just it's like also... our scientific rating system. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought Mark was going to be like two and a half or three, but you gave it four. No, I get, yeah, I mean three to four. Nice. I would say three point five. There three. we go. All right, yeah. half an ant. Uh, I, I didn't have the ants. He had Christian had the ants. I had yeah, the ants. He, he has. I had I, talks. I'm actually surprised he didn't say like uh, three and a half uh, old boob or something. <laughs> I was thinking of it. I was thinking. Of it. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> let's wrap this up and get the hell out of here. It's yeah. 12.05. It's the witching hour, y'all. Mm-hmm. Spooky I times. 
Three and a half fupas. <laughs> oh, goddammit. You're a monster. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's running to Google what a fupa is. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Cannibal Horrorcast. It is so good to be back. I am very excited to be hanging out with these fellas and chatting about horror movies. Um, if you want to help the show out, you can go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. You can go to coffee com, which is ko-fi.com slash John Destructo if you want to help us out um, monetarily. That would be wonderful. Leave us a tip. You can also email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. Just make sure that the subject heading says Cannibal Horrorcast so we know which show it's for. And um, that's it. Steven Android, where can the people find you on internet? Uh, I finally joined the 21st century and I'm on Instagram. Nice. Uh, S Android Illustration. And Mark underscore L underscore Miller. Where can the people find you? Uh, at uh, mlmillerwrites.com, which is a, and that's, that's where I keep everything, pretty much everything. But I'm also on the Twitters at Mark underscore L underscore Miller. And I think that's it. Oh, and I'm doing my countdown this year, starting nice. October 1st to the 31st. I'm going to count down to the best horror movies of the year. And so I'm still calculating out uh, how many FUPAs each movie will be getting. <laughs> but um, it's a lot of FUPAs going on, so it yeah. takes it takes a while to do that. But still still going. And Christian Dabari. Um, you can you can find me on Instagram. I think it's uh, Christian underscore Dabari. And you can find me on Twitter at Chris Dabari. Um, and one other thing i guess i should probably plug uh because they certainly need the help uh but this month on the 24th uh my very first uh video game work will be released uh with uh, contra the new contra game from konami I Uh, I do too, man. And it's, and it looks like a blast four player co-op and everything. I did the, uh, I did the cutscene artwork, so it's going to be weird to see my artwork in the cutscenes, but you know, wow. and yeah, it's uh, exciting, nerve-wracking, and I've already had to mute several uh, threads on Twitter with, you know, angry fans that hate Konami apparently. Um, <sighs> but you know, hey, I still got to promote it, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed working on it, so whatever. <laughs> awesome, man! That's great. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, cool. Um, did I miss anybody? No. No. Yeah. All right. So. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right, guys. Awesome. All right. We will spook at you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>